Welcome to Business Done Differently, where baseball team owner turned showman Jesse Cole speaks with successful entrepreneurs who stand out in business and in life by thinking differently and challenging the status quo. We believe whatever is normal, do the exact opposite, and that normal gets normal results. If you want to stand out and be different, this one's for you. Adam Toporek is an expert on customer experience. He's a keynote speaker and workshop leader. He's the author of Be Your Customer's Hero, real-world tips and techniques for the service front lines, as well as the founder of the Customers That Stick blog and co-host of the Crack the Customer Code podcast, which I was honored to be a guest on. He is now with us today to share the secret sauce of customer service. Adam, pumped to have you on the show. Jesse, <laughs> so good. We were doing the podcast in reverse. So you brought the bananas to crack the customer code, and that was fantastic. And I am so pleased and honored to be here. Yes. Well, I was pumped to, to hear you <laughs> speak at Customer Service Revolution. It was awesome. Had a lot of great stories, great messages. But I, I want to start with your book first, because one thing that it's talked about a lot now is you want to make the customer the hero. Your book is Be Your Customer's Hero. Can you kind of share with me like the difference in what you mean by that? Well, I'll step back and tell you about where the genesis of the book came from because you will be able to relate because you deal with frontline employees dealing with the general public or more importantly, working with the general public. Let's use our language well, right? But you've got frontline employees working with the general public. And I was in retail and franchising for a long time. And what I found was that they just didn't have the skills coming in. Now, the beautiful thing, I live in Orlando. So what would happen is when we're hiring, if you saw Disney on the resume, We were like, oh, hello, how are you? Because we knew they were already trained with fundamental service skills, but the great majority of them didn't have it. And what I was searching for was like, what's that one thing I can just give them that's going to teach them, you know, 85% of what they need to know about customer experience, customer service, working with customers. How do I get somebody to have that mindset that like, okay, I'm here for the customer. I'm not here to check them out. I'm here to make their day while I check them out, right? And that doesn't mean going over the top, every experience, all that, right? So that's where Be Your Customer's Hero came from because what's a hero? It's somebody that is there for you when you need them. It's not somebody that leaps over tall buildings or any of that. Anyone can be a hero. And that was just sort of the metaphor I took with it, which is that idea of we're there for the customers. And I know you do this with the bananas, with your team, right? Everybody's there for the customers. You're focused on all kinds of things around the customers and around the staff, but on the customer side of it, right? You're always there to wow. You're always there to give them something. So can you potentially, you can be the hero, but also you can try to make your customer the hero. It goes both ways, it sounds like. So to me, context is everything. If I had like a metaphor or whatever, a through line, it's context is everything. What does that mean to you? Make the customer the hero. I mean, to everything, it makes literally, it's about them. So everything's about them that they're the hero of their own story. So for instance, if we are the guide, as Donald Miller and StoryBrand talks about, we are the one that's going to help them be the best version of themselves, have the most success, whatever that product is we're trying to serve, one of the goals that's talked about. And then also from your perspective, which I see 100%, we want to be that hero that helps them. So it's like the hero and the guide, they're interchanged. I'm trying to balance in my head because I see both being very valuable and how to simplify what's best. Right. And I love the story brand book and all that. And I would say this, I wonder about that metaphor in certain contexts. So what is the 
context of handing somebody French fries where they're the hero of their story. They just want <laughs> French fries, right? I don't know. That seems very abstract to talk to a frontline employee about in certain industries, right? Yes. I just don't know. Is that the best metaphor in every industry? Now, if you are a personal coach or if you're in the entertainment industry like you're in, where you really can like, oh, hey, we're not just going to hand the peanuts. We're going to throw them and make it a contest. The best metaphor for every context. Mm, 100%. All right. So Adam, you're talking about frontline employees. Let's give a little bit of the context. I know you've been an entrepreneur, different retail. Can you share a little bit of what you did before and now as you're teaching this and how you really focused on the frontline employees? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things is if you're in retail, you realize something very quickly that your frontline employees as a rule don't have much experience in business. They don't have much experience working with customers. And I think I mentioned earlier, you know, it was great when we saw Disney on the resume here in Orlando. So I was in a retail service franchise, which means I was able to design the experience, but I also had to follow an experience that was designed for me. I had a lane in which I could design my own experience, but I also had to deliver service standards of the franchise. So it was an interesting little box from somebody who mm. you know, teaches customer experience, teaches customer service now, where you know, I'm always saying, well, you can do this and do that. And <laughs> here's how you approach it. I mean, look at you. You've created this thing out of whole cloth, right? The Savannah Bananas. And in a franchise system, you don't really get that luxury. You have to follow the playbook. If you're running a McDonald's or you're running a, whatever other fran you know, a Gymboree or whatever kind of franchise it is, you've got to figure out how to wow within the confines of that playbook and the rules and regulations, policies, procedures, all of that. So one of the things we were trying to do with our frontline team was to make them customer centric and also make them understand that okay, well, we've got to follow this playbook. Here are the things we can do outside of the playbook. Here are the things we can do to be special. Here are the things we can do to be the best in our franchise network and to make our customers wow. And we really looked at from a few things. What are the ideas, the systems? How do you create that? And then two, and this is where we get into when you're looking at frontline employees, what matters most? And it's getting them to understand the why and then giving them the tools to execute it. So the question I come from is how? Because I think about this, Adam, we have 150 game day staff employees and they come in and it's a summer job. And with anything, it's this isn't a deep why. We would love for people to think like, this is my why. I want to be a part of this. What are the practical steps that you have seen or that you teach to actually get them to have complete buy-in? Because I will say this, Adam, we go through our fans first playbook. We share those meaningful stories. We get them and to understand that it's more than just serving food. It's how we make memories and create moments. What are those ways that you've seen that really makes an impact? Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff you're doing is absolutely amazing. We've talked about that on our podcast. When I talk about why, it's not necessarily some sort of big macro Simon Sinek type <laughs> why, right? Where it's like the why of all meaning. Sometimes it's like, why is it important for me to give good customer service? Why does that even matter? Hmm. Okay, they're here to get a thing of fries. I handed them a thing of fries. I didn't scream at them. I didn't yell at them. What else is it you want me to do? So sometimes, and granted, there's a hiring process where hopefully you don't have too many of those conversations to begin with, right? At some fundamental level, it's getting them to understand and buy into that mission. You talked about your fan first playbook. So some of the techniques I've seen that have been really powerful is sharing customer stories. To me, that's one of the most important things you can do, particularly in an onboarding process. The superstars, the people that have really created those wow moments, 
understanding the meaning. So when I take our customer, Jenny, she came in for a service two days after she lost her brother. Okay. And Sheila really just took her back, gave her the service, but understood, was empathetic. Everybody smiled and it just made her day. And she wrote us a testimonial or wrote us a little note, whatever you want to call it, saying this place felt like home. Mm. Now, if you share that with somebody, you share that with your team on an ongoing basis, but you also share that in an onboarding situation and other stories like that. To me, that's one of the most powerful things. Now, we all know, I mean, everybody talks about storytelling nowadays. You mentioned Donald Miller, all that, right? How powerful stories are. But if you can connect them to the end performance, why does this matter? Because the reality is most of our jobs, we're not EMS, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're not police. We're not soldiers. Yeah, you're selling hot dogs and baseball and fun and whatever it may be you're going to say you're selling. But right, I mean, that's the environment. You know, I was selling you know, personal spa services or whatever it may be. You look at those kinds of things, right? You're changing moments. You're not necessarily changing lives. And you have to show how important that is. And I think that's such a key point because how many times do business owners or leaders bring in their customers and actually have them talk about the impact that your business is making? And, you know, I think about what we're doing in the sense that a lot of these games really mean a lot to bringing families together. But yet we might get an email or a testimony, but we ever had them come in and just say, hey, just talk to the group and understand what they're doing really matters. And something that we're looking to do this year, Adam, is we're actually going to do film a fan from the beginning of the day to getting ready to going to a bananas game to coming to a game and highlighting them throughout the game, doing like a little documentary and then maybe even honoring them on the field during the game. And a show like, wow, similar to the idea a little bit of the day in the life that John DeJulius talks to, but literally this is our customer. This is our fan and like actually really personalize it for our staff to understand this is the impact that they're making. Oh, that's fantastic. I can't wait to see the video, first of all. On a complete side note, yeah, and you know, John, he's got that Chick-fil-A video. I yes. think it's one he's done publicly, right? And that is actually sort of the next, it's ironic you bring that up. It's a next step. Like, So you connected this why. Why is it important to be customer-centric and to make that part of the culture and to get people into that? The next step is giving them the tools. Hmm. You know, To me, I'm a how guy. Right. I don't spend a lot of time on the why. I don't, somebody does the consulting on like finding your mission and all. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm not, that's important. But I'm more of a like, cause I think this is where most uh, companies fail. I think it's very easy to get on stage, right? And give big pronouncements about culture and big pronouncements about putting everybody first and putting this first. And what's really hard is when you get back and actually have to do it. Mm. I shouldn't say it's easy to say that stuff. It's not easy to do it, but it's really hard to execute it. You talk about frontline staff. All right. That thing about every customer has a story. That's an incredibly powerful thing from a training perspective, because when we looked at the research of what's going on in the last 20 years, what we know about customers is that they are irrational. And also we are irrational as well. So humans are irrational, but we'll focus on customers for a moment. And they're emotional. Emotion dictates essentially what type of experience they're going to have. And we can dig into that. There's a lot to that. But the reality is when you look at that idea of every customer has a story, what emotion are they coming into the business with? What emotion are they having when they're there? And what peak emotion are they going to remember? 
And if you don't train your team on one, understanding these principles, and then two, how to both interact with sort of existing customer emotion and direct customer emotion, then you've got a real challenge. And depending on your industry, this can be either sort of an easy thing or a hard thing. I would imagine at the ballpark, it's probably easy 98% of the time and you have some upset customers and we can talk about that. But if you are the geek squad at Best Buy, okay, you ever want to see a fun customer service job, just go sit in Best Buy at the geek squad counter for like 20 minutes and just <laughs> watch the people come up, right? Because that's a service resolution role. Mm-hmm. Every conversation they have is a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, there's different levels of upset. So what's the training that enables them to not only solve what the computer is doing, <laughs> right? Whatever's wrong with the computer or the iPhone or whatever it may be, but to solve the customer emotion, mm. to well, actually interact with empathy and good communication. Well, you're right. I and mean, you talk about emotional connections all the time. And I think the reality is what we look at is how do we map that emotional journey? And you're constantly thinking when you do something, how does it make our fans feel? And we talk about happy tears because we've had you know seven-year-old kids crying because they were so happy because we took pictures of them and gave them signed bats and it was the best day of their life. And we try to think about how do we map that? How do we create happy tears for our fans? But my question for you is you talk about creating ordinary moments, making them extraordinary. And if you think about frontline employees, they are dealing with ordinary moments every single day. Ordinary. Here's a transaction. Here's this. Making an extraordinary, creating this emotional connection. How do you teach that? What's the best way to say, all right, we're going to get this happening with our frontline employees on a consistent basis? Okay. One, I would say you have to be careful with the word extraordinary. <laughs> I'd say the key is taking the moments, making them always above average, above expectations whenever possible, or at least Meeting expectations, if your expectations are already high, and that's very key, but being on the lookout for extraordinary. And I think, did you hear me tell my Hotel Indigo story? I can't remember if I used it in the speech you saw. Was that the one in Asheville? Yeah. Okay. In Asheville. So, well, I mean, you, I mean, still, and there's the people that haven't heard. If you wanted to share the spark notes, that'd be great. Yeah. I'll give you the quick version. So the quick version is my wife and I were booking a big birthday of hers, and I will not say which one so I don't get in trouble, but we booked it at the Hotel Indigo in Asheville. I mentioned her birthday, wanted a window view, but didn't make a big deal, whatever. Show up two months later, we end up waiting in the lobby, all this kind of stuff, and eventually they take us to the room. In the room, on the bed, is like a whole happy birthday thing. There's got champagne, they got chocolates, they got all this kind of stuff. Now, when you look at it, they took an ordinary moment and they made it extraordinary. But here's the thing, and this is very important, stories do not scale. They absolutely cannot do this for every single customer that comes into that hotel. They cannot find a way to make this kind of wow moment for every single customer that checks in every day. It just can't happen. You can't scale it. You can't be profitable doing that. What they did was they looked for an easy win. They documented it, number one. Somebody was trained enough to check the documentation before we got there, right? And then they said, what can we do? And we've had, you know, we've all got these stories, but the thing is this, when the next person checked in, they didn't have to do that, mm-hmm. right? What they had to do was smile, offer them something really small and unexpected that they didn't get at the last hotel they checked in at, right? Does use some communication that was special, personalize something off a previous conversation, just in conversation. It doesn't always have to be big, extraordinary. Extraordinary can be small. 
right? It's a dangerous word because I hesitate to have people think they have to do this big viral kind of wow thing on every experience, right? It can literally just be a conversation. And depending on what your business is, that may be all that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. If you're at a drive through here's what your job is, speed. I mean, your job is speed and getting the order right. Okay, let's say fundamentals. What's your wow there? Are you ever going to have a wow like that hotel has? Are you ever going to have a wow like you have at the ballpark? On a regular basis, probably not, right? Probably not. Now, maybe if something goes wrong, you're able to do something that's wow, but your wows have to be in the moment. Your wows have to be, how much better is my drive-through experience? than the other 74 drive-throughs as far as it's been through in their life, right? A hundred percent. I mean, the speed is actually extraordinary. Like Chick-fil-A, you talk about the my pleasures and how they treat you, but the speed you get through that drive-through versus any other drive-through, that's actually extraordinary. And so you're right. Extraordinary doesn't have to be a huge, huge thing, but it is better than ordinary. And I think we're actually hiring part of our cast this year, a high five character. So literally on the back of his jersey, his name will be high, his number will be five. And his job is to go around the entire stadium high-fiving fans when they're in line, in the parking (laughs) lot, throughout, we're all around the stadium. And we'll have a goal, like, can you get 2,000 high-fives? Can you get 2,500 high-fives? Like, that's his role. The reality is, like, standing in line at concessions, getting a high-five from the high-five character, that could be extraordinary. But it's not, like, crazy. But I think that's, how can you look at these little moments that are just a little better? And great person who should catch you with Darren Ross who's the CEO, uh, founder of Magic Castle Hotel. And he says, we listen carefully and respond creatively. And I think what you told about the Hotel Indigo, they listened. You said it was their birthday. They told you. You told them what to know. And they responded creatively. And I think going into this front line, what you're sharing, it's like, we just got to be able to keep our ears open and find those special moments. And it doesn't have to be every one, but one or two can really build a brand because people tell that story over and over again. A hundred percent. And that's the cultural part, right? The cultural part is I'm not just checking the box of my job. I am focused on the customer, Mm. right? I am focused on what's the customer telling me at any given moment, what opportunities are there to win? And, you know, from a leadership perspective, we have a role in this too. I mean, you just said you're hiring a position, (laughs) okay? You're putting someone on payroll to go around and give high fives, right? (laughs) How many businesses would invest in that? That's incredibly important. You talked about Chick-fil-A speed. Well, go to Chick-fil-A at lunchtime in any busy location. Okay, most of them are busy at lunchtime for the record. But if you go there at busy time, what do you see? You see at the newer ones, two drive-thrus and two people standing in line talking to you before you even get anywhere, Mm. right? It's not just teaching the front line what to do from a leadership perspective. It's actually having the front line in place to do it. 100%. And I think that that's so goes into your idea of the 3E leadership, which you shared, embody, educate, empower. That was so powerful because we have to, as leaders, embody what we want to teach. And then we have to teach it. And then we have to empower people to do it. And if you could just share a little bit of that mindset, that 3E leadership, because I think it's very powerful and a great takeaway on how to help our people be better at what they do and make an impact. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate that too. Let me step back on one thing with the three leadership framework and say where it came from. Where it came from is I am completely what you would call an 80-20 guy or a Pareto principle guy, which is I don't believe any of us have time to do it all. And we certainly don't have time to do it all well. 
So I'd always try to find what are the things that are going to move the needle the most? What are the few actions that get the greatest results? So the 3E leadership framework from a customer experience leadership standpoint came from that because there are a million things as a leader and even as a customer-centric leader you can do to improve your customer experience. Assuming you have a good culture in place, that's sort of the baseline. If you have a good culture in place, these are the three things that if you put your time in, you will see outsized results. And the first one is embody, and that is very simply walk the talk. And we have all either worked at a company or dealt with a company or hired somebody from a company that had the customers first and kind of little hang in there baby type of poster about the customers on the walls of the place and all this kind of stuff. And they did not live up to it. Mm. Right. For whatever reason, one, they just were focused on other things. Two, they never meant it in the first place. Three, and this is the most common, they actually were incentivizing things that weren't customer first. Hmm. When I work with sales teams, I have really deep conversations about this because if you want your sales team to be customer centric and not just about closing sales, you've got to look at your incentives. You put your money where your message is. Mm. Okay. And that's true. I mean, if you say, hey, take care of customers, but you sit down for the monthly review and all you talk about is how many sales they closed, (laughs) right? Well, they get the message what's really important, Mm. right? They understand. So embodying is, that's just sort of a very narrow example. Embodying is across the whole company. Are you truly doing the things that make people understand that customer experience is a strategic priority for your company? And that means also, you're investing in it. Put your money where your message is. I mean, that's not just about incentives. That's, well, is your CRM system 15 years old mm-hmm. and your people can't get anything done, mm-hmm. right? Are you perpetually understaffed? Okay, because I can tell you this, this is uh, something you will not hear many customer experience people say. Great customer experience begins with adequate resources. It's not, <laughs> it is not sexy. It is not something you want to be inspired by. It is the absolute truth. You tell me one company that's under-resourced, <laughs> that's doing a good job at customer experience over the long term, I want to know their secret because yeah. they probably don't exist. Love so, I mean, all of these things is part of that embodying. Yeah. Next is educate. Now, companies tend to really fail on education, and there's a few reasons. One it's not urgent, right? The old Stephen Covey urgent quadrants and all that, you know, what's urgent and important and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's important, but not urgent, Hmm. right? It's very much like, okay, training, that's great. We have a call queue that's this long. It's opening day. Everybody's about to show up, whatever it may be. We don't do it. And the second thing, the sort of second big failure on education is we only train half of what's important. And I have a dog in this hunt. I do customer service training. I will say this up front. But we only train, okay, well, here's how you sell a ticket. Here's how you cook the burger. Here's how you change the process, the procedure, how to use the system, how to turn in your receipts. We don't teach communication, empathy, all the soft skills. And what do you think an experience that only has the first half looks like to a customer or feels like, even more importantly. <laughs> Terrible transaction. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? And that's the kind. I mean, that's the difference between yeah. the companies that are okay or good and great is they train both sides of that equation. And the third one, and I know this is near and dear to your heart, Jesse, is empowerment. Okay, and the reality is we are 
all scared. And if you're not scared of empowering your employees, then you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> but you need to do it anyways. And, and the people who aren't that scared of it are the people who have done it well and not seen many negative results, right? Because if you do it well, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. It's probably one of the most powerful tools you can have in customer experience. And you made the great example of General Marshall, correct? On how to really empower. <laughs> yeah, General, you remember that. That's awesome. Okay, so yeah, I bring my stories from a variety of disciplines. And one is about General Marshall. He was a uh, chief of staff of the Army in uh, World War II. And he was essentially asked if he wanted to go do D-Day. Essentially, do you want to run D-Day? Because whoever was going to run D-Day was going to be in the history books forever. Of course, everyone knew that. Everyone knew we were going to invade. Marshall uh, was a true uh, citizen soldier, said, I'll do what you want, Mr. President. And he ended up in Washington. So General Eisenhower became Supreme Allied Commander. And one day, Miss Marshall is sitting in her room at the house in Virginia, gets a call from the chief from the army saying, can I speak, please speak to General Marshall? Long story short, Marshall answers the phone, hangs up, and starts to walk back to his garden because he's messing with his carrots. Now, remember, this is a guy <laughs> running World War II in the middle of World War II. And his wife's like, what happened? What? I don't. They said it was extremely important. And General Marshall says, well, we invaded France. She's like, oh, my God, what happened? You didn't ask any questions. He's like, well, I imagine that's for Ike to deal with. <laughs> and you could be in charge of basically the fate of Western civilization and say, that's for my subordinate to deal with. That's for Ike to deal with and go back to your carrots. That is sort of the high watermark of employee empowerment, to say the least. I use the example, right? I mean, I'm glad you brought it up. I use the example because, okay, can we loosen the reins just a little more, Jesse, you and I? <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's this micromanagement culture and no one wants it. And it's so tough as leaders because we care so much and we have a challenge letting our people fail. And just that, like even me saying that, I'm like, I don't want that to happen. But again, that's, as we say all the time, that's where you learn. And the amount of times us as leaders failed. And I'm sure General Marshall, like he learned when he got into a spot where he was over micromanaging or over, like it didn't work well. They didn't, he didn't trust his people enough. So it's a great story and a great example. And I think bring it about or talk about as far as the empowerment. I love this quote from you. It's to innovate customer experience. We as leaders should listen to our teams and create a safe environment for open dialogue. That in itself is empowerment. How do we open it up so our people can share their ideas and actually let them implement them? Yeah, well, 100%. And the first thing, and that's part of empowerment, we talk about smart empowerment for one thing, which is it doesn't mean let go of the reins completely. But the other thing we talk about is the difference between actual and psychological empowerment, if you remember that from the speech, which mm -hmm. is actual empowerment is I say, okay, you can do X, Y, and Z now. You couldn't do that before. Now you can do X, Y, and Z. Psychological empowerment is they actually feel like they can do X, Y, and Z culturally, and they're not going to get in trouble, right? Or they're not going to get questioned. And that's that, that culture you were mentioning or that space for listening and innovation is you can't eat their, if you're going to empower an employee, you can't eat their lunch if they don't use it the way you want them to. Hmm. Now you can coach them to something insane. Like they <laughs> take a baseball bat and hit your customer with it, right? I mean, there are limits to everything. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully none of your people have done that, right? <laughs> you're empowered to play around. Okay. Well, I didn't mean beat them with the bat, please. Okay sort of in the real world, it's like, what? 
can I do? What can I do? You don't want them questioning that. You're like, take care of the customer. So the Ritz-Carlton, and we talk about this, right? The Ritz-Carlton empowers people like up to what? Oh God, five thousand dollars? What was that? Yeah, it was. It was two thousand at one point. You never know. It could be fifty thousand now at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, who knows? Oh, right. Ritz-Carlton empowers people up to two thousand dollars, and that means the janitor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And why? Because customer lifetime value of a Ritz-Carlton customer is a quarter million dollars. So they know that they can just do that without any limitation, right? Mm-hmm. If they need to do it, then now the thing about empowerment, here's the biggest message for leaders. You are afraid about what they will do. What you really need to be afraid of is that they won't use it. Mm. Or they won't do anything. Exactly. They, you empower them. They're like, well, that's that the Hotel Indigo story, right? They were empowered to do it. But they actually did it. They used it. Mm. That's so smart. I mean, your fear as a leader shouldn't be necessarily what they will do. It's the, if they don't do anything. And when you're dealing with customers, if there's a problem, if there's a challenge and you don't do anything, then you've lost a customer for life. Yeah, 100%. And that's the thing. I mean, the whole point of empowerment, it's more important today than ever. Because the, one of the biggest points of empowerment, I should say, not the whole point, is that it is real time. You are solving a customer's issue in real time. I mean, one of my few keynote speeches, I only have a handful of them, and one of them is literally called From Hassle to Hero. And it is about removing how important it is to remove hassle from the customer journey. And what's a bigger hassle than I can't take care of that for you? Let me go call my supervisor. Or worse, I can't take care of that for you. My supervisor's in on Tuesday. I'll get back to you then. I love it. <laughs> it's so great. And Adam, I do want to get into some fun games, but I think that transition, what you were saying, you have to give one of your hits because I think it's such a great message in how to deal with a problem and a challenge. So if you could give a little bit of the universal story, because I think that will resonate with uh, the listeners. Oh my gosh, the universal story. So this is like, I love the story and thanks for bringing it up. I never, <laughs> never get tired of telling it. So. The good news is it's embarrassing for my wife, not me. So that's the most important <laughs> thing about this whole story, Jesse. All right. So my wife, she goes with her family to Universal's Islands of Adventure. And this is summer in Orlando, which if you haven't been to summer in Orlando, well, it's just there's a few circles of hell I think Dante had, and it's one of them. <laughs> She's in line for Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. And this line is hours and hours long. So they're sweating, they're dying, it's just hot, it's miserable. And she drinks this stuff called butterbeer. Now, I'm not a Harry Potter person, I don't know what butterbeer is. I just know that before I go on a roller coaster, <laughs> two of the things I don't think about putting in my stomach are butter or beer. So eventually, they get to the front of the line, they go in, and it's these little cars. So she's in this car with her and her niece, uh, Emily. And they go in, and as soon as she gets inside, she realizes she's in trouble. Because Harry Potter is not technically a roller coaster, it is a simulator ride. Now, a simulator ride, roller coaster, the car moves, and a simulator ride, the car moves, but they also use those screens to create the illusion of greater movement. So, oh my gosh, so she's going, and she's getting <laughs> sicker, and sicker, and sicker, and finally, like, this dragon pops out and goes, rah! And boy, did that dragon get a big surprise, Jesse. <laughs> all right, man, she just yaks all over her niece, Emily, man. It's all over her. The car's still moving, so it's like everywhere, right? So she's just like mortified. She's completely embarrassed. Yeah, she threw up everywhere. And what's about to happen? 
She's about to pull up to a few hundred people. They're all waiting to get in a clean car, and she's going to pull up in the throw-up teacup. <laughs> now, worst part is she's pulling up to 500 people that all have cameras, right? <laughs> Everyone has a camera now. Yeah, she's mortified. She's like, really, yeah, she's not having a good day. And we talk about that customer's emotional journey that we mentioned earlier, and you got to think about that. Like, she's covered in vomit. She's brought her niece into this nightmare as well, and she's about to be completely embarrassed. The amazing thing about the story is that never happened. Mm. So a Universal employee had seen the entire thing on the video camera. They stopped the car short before she ever got to that sort of embarrassing moment in front of the whole crowd. And they said, man, we saw what happened. We have a place where you can get cleaned up. Please come with us. So the Universal employee takes my wife and her niece, to the secret room. There's a secret room at Harry Potter in the Forbidden Journey. Okay, and they walk into this clean, well-lit room, and the Universal employee looks at him and goes, ma'am, we're so sorry about what happened. There is all those clothes on the wall. You take anything that's your size, they're free of charge. We've got a sink over there where you can clean up, wash everything. Also, here's a bag. You can put your soiled clothes in it. That way you can enjoy the rest of the day at the park. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, we saw you speaking to the people in the car behind you. We've directed them to the exit you're going to be leaving by, so you won't have any trouble finding them mm-hmm. when you leave. Game over. So, boom. <laughs> drop the mic. I, I would drop it, but make a really loud noise on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, so it's such an – I go into a little more detail in the speech. I know we're tight on time here, but, I mean, that is – there's so many levels at which that experience has worked all the way from the – Front lines through leadership. I mean, you think about it, Jesse. You talk about preparing, thinking of it through a customer journey. Universal built a room. Now, if you haven't done construction before, that means they had architectural, okay? You, right? They had to go through permitting. They had to go through inspections, right? They dedicated this most valuable real estate in this organization to this small subsection of customers and their families who were going to have a bad experience. Mm, it's Not only that, and what do you think the emotional experience of my wife was after that? And her knees? <laughs> it was literally a roller coaster for her. Like even the emotional experience was a roller coaster for her. I mean, that's amazing. And I think you've said this before, your brand is only as strong as your weakest customer experience. And that could have been a very weak, terrible customer experience, but it became a wow moment. And I think all brands have an opportunity to create customers for life on those weak experiences and make them better and make them even more amazing. That's what that universal story shares to me. And I shared that with my wife right away afterwards, and she was blown away as well. So I, I think that's great. I do want to finish with some more rapid fire. You have a few more minutes to rock and roll, Adam. All right, let's do it. All right. So you wrote about 21 ways to not make a good first impression. I loved it. You know, from not answering the phone, from not having a clean parking lot, from having a disorganized storefront. So we'll do a quick little back and forth game. I'm going to give a place to you, a type of business, and you're going to say, how would you make a good first impression? You could throw one back at me. You ready? Okay. All right. I'll give it an easier one here. Restaurant. Oh, God. I'm so stumped. <laughs> <laughs> I can write a fire. Like, what was something you could do at a restaurant? Oh, oh, a great, oh, first, great impression? first impression? Yes. Greet them by their name if there's any way possible. Simple. If you have the reservation, like, oh, hey, Jenny. But you got to be careful, obviously. Use people's names. All right. Now you could throw it at a business or a type of business to me. Oh, okay. Home carpet cleaning. Home carpet cleaning. Okay. <laughs> All right. So they're coming to clean the carpets. Okay. I immediately start. The first impression starts on the website on the call. 
And so it's, you really want to be unbelievably welcoming and nice. But when you show up, how can you be dressed in a very unique, like a clean, unbelievably well-kept way? How can you hand them something? Maybe even as like, hey, here's a flower. Like just this, like first, like, really? Is my home carpet guy giving me this? Like something that can actually be different because you want to not be like a typical carpet cleaning guy. And then what I would notice, I always want to, if you go into a house, notice those things that people care about. And then maybe you write a letter that acknowledges something or does something that can add to their home afterwards. So that goes past the first impression. But all right, that was good. You've already thrown me for a loop. I'm thinking about home carpet cleaning. Let me see. I'm going to throw one more at you here. This is different. What if you're a teacher? All right. Teachers, first impression, students coming in. For the students, not for the yes. parents, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. First of all, I don't have kids, so you're, I'm really talking out of school. <laughs> I get it. Say. <laughs> but man, I would think anything that started with fun, mm. right? I mean, just you just make it fun. When they come in, they all get a high five. Maybe your high five mascot's there, right? Whatever. They all get something to identify them personally. They get a fun. Everybody gets a funny hat. I mean, anything that makes it fun immediately, like sets a different tone. It could be like a million things, I think, on that, just come, you know, going off the top of my head. Everybody gets a funny colored hat. But I think so many companies, I mean, Utah, all the ways not to make a good first impression. And again, it doesn't have to be unbelievable wow, but what can you do that'll make people talk? Wow, that was nice. That was a nice touch. Remarkable is simply, are people worth remarking about it? So we think about the parking lots. We think about the phone calls, how we answer the phones and walk in. And I think that's something that all businesses should think about. And I'm so glad that you actually wrote 21 ways not to make a good first impression. We'll put it in the notes as well. All right, got to finish here. I do it every show. Flip the script. You are now the host. You have experience with this with your amazing podcast. So you can ask one question to me. Ooh, okay. So my one question is a little on the negative side, actually, not so positive, all which right. is this. You're a small business owner. I'm a third generation entrepreneur. So I think about this stuff. And you're in a fun business, you're all that. Is it an economically sensitive business? And then my real question is, what are you doing to prepare for that, for a downturn in your business? Economically sensitive, yes. I started in 2008. That's when I first started running a team. No one was buying sponsorships and tickets. This is an extra type of thing. So how do you prepare for it? It's one of those things that I'm trying to realize that we are more teachers than we teachers and entertainers more than just people putting on people just running a baseball team. So we are transitioning into being more educators. How do we show and teach people how we put on a show, how to wow them? And so I think people will always need to be better, as you know, at customer experience, at employee experience. So part of the transition is allowing us to be able to teach this. And then entertainment, Adam, I don't know, man. I think everyone needs fun. One of the things that everyone, I think, has a challenge with is like, oh, well, everything's online now. You can just stay in your home, watch Netflix. People need to connect with people. And I think the more we get connected on social media, more we're going to need to get out of that. We don't have a digital scoreboard at our stadium. We are literally all really? about... No, we don't have a digital scoreboard. <laughs> That's awesome. It's I love it. all about people engaging. So we're going to keep stressing that point about get out with your family, have fun, lose yourself. During our games, when we have a 70-year-old that's dancing and a five-year-old that's dancing and people, 4,000 people singing, we hope that you can escape. So we're going to keep stressing the importance of getting together. So hopefully, when there is an economic downturn, which is coming, that we are positioned to just continue to deliver fun that people want and then also teach other companies how to do that. So that was a deep question I've never got asked. So thank you for that as an entrepreneur. Wow, that was good. All right. I want to finish here. All right. We're going to rock and roll. Love it. Rapid fire. Favorite restaurant. Oh, gosh. Um, 
It's called Plant. <laughs> it is a like high-end vegan restaurant in Asheville, North Carolina. Wow. I'm, I'm very intrigued to why you like that. We'll get there at a later point. All right. Favorite part <laughs> of morning routine? Oh, man. Writing. Writing. Do you write every morning? My favorite part of my morning routine, when my morning routine is executed when I <laughs> the way I want it. <laughs> you know, I travel, I speak, right? So uh, on the road days are different than in the office at home days. I try to write every morning that I am uh, in my zip code. All right. In <laughs> your sorry. zip code, favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? Oh, man. Playing with the dogs. I got two big dogs, man. I just love their, they can be challenging, but they can also just sort of help just if, when you're in the zone playing with them, it's just like forget everything. Awesome. And then other than your book, favorite customer experience or customer service book? Oh, wow. See, that's like, which friend of mine do I want to get? Oh, to? all right. So, all right. So, if you don't no, want to no, go. No, I'm actually going to answer it counterintuitively. I'm going to tell you the most impactful book I've read in the last few years. And it is truly, in a sense, a great book for customer experience leaders. It's called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Mm, outstanding work. What that book is about is how unbelievably crazy <laughs> these times we live in are and how the way to win is through the ability to find ways to do deep work. Mm, yep. And it's essentially another way of saying how to focus. Which is so important, even more so than ever now. All right, final inning. What's one thing you've done to stand out in business and in life? For me, at least in the current business I'm in, it's being a real world sort of practical, realistic guy. And that sounds like, oh, well, what's special about that? If you're in the speaking and keynote industry, that's actually not that common. <laughs> that's a little more rare. There's a lot of, hey, here's how you can be like Zappos and here's how you can do this and do that. And I'm like, okay, well, how are we going to do that? How are you going to do that at scale? Mm -hmm. And that's really been my brand. And you can sort of tell from the conversation we've had, like, okay, what are the practical things you're actually going to be able to do if you have 50 employees, 500 employees, and 50,000 employees that's still going to work? Love it. All right. The best advice you've ever received. Uh, it's funny. I just, we just sort of circle back to it. To me, it's you are what you focus on. Mm. To me, that is it. Focus is everything. Where you point your lens is who you are as a person. It's what you achieve. It's everything. Absolutely love it. And finally, how do you want to be remembered? With my name pronounced right now. It's a part. We're looking offline, everybody, about how my pronounced, uh, name pronounced. To me, sort of forgetting the macro on the micro level, I hope every person that I've come in contact with hope you know, feels that I gave something to them that mattered, hmm. something that made an impact. So simple. I say it all the time, but nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter. That's exactly, I think, what you're doing. And I think the fact that, you know, Adam, I've been so impressed with how much work, how much content, how many pieces. I mean, you search you and there's videos and so much content out there. And you've been doing that and helping people for a long time. So I'm so glad that we got connected. Thanks for having me on your show almost a year ago, I think now, and then connecting back to customer service revolution. But uh, how can people connect more with you and learn everything that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Home base for me is called customersthatstick.com, sort of like you want your customers to stick around, customersthatstick.com. Google my name, Adam Topork. There's pretty much find me. So I'm on social. I love connecting with people. I love hearing people's stories about customer experience. So yeah, there's all kinds of stuff we got going on. Feel free to reach out and Jesse, thanks so much for having me. It's just been awesome getting to know you and sharing podcast experiences here. So this has been awesome. I appreciate it. The pleasure is mine, my friend. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for listening to Business Done Differently with Jesse Cole, the Yellow Tux Guy. 
If you love the show, let Jesse know by leaving a review on iTunes or sending him an email at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. For more information on the guest and topics of this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.